Welcome to the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Kara, the podcast for Central Floridians who want to be in the know on what's happening in Orange, Lake, Osceola, and Seminole counties. Sponsored by the Central Florida Home Brewers, the premier craft and homebrew club. Learn to brew beer, kombucha, mead, or make wine. Visit www.cfhb.org. Now, here's your host, Mike Kara. Well, welcome back to our next edition of the Mike Kara Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz here at 1010 Brewing, 1010 Virginia Drive in beautiful um, Orlando, Florida. As we are here for the Central Florida Home Brewers uh, General Membership Meeting today, we, uh, I am joined ag- again by John Sather, who is a member of uh, the Central Florida Home Brewers. And John, it's a pleasure, honor you could join me today. And you know, we talk about brewing and home brewing, craft beer. And one of the things we want to talk about is, you know, tra- when you're traveling, one of the things I think that you probably and I like to do is try craft beers. And is that pretty accurate when you have a chance to travel around the country to get to a craft brewery or try a craft beer or? Oh yes, yes. Uh, thank you for inviting me. I uh, appreciate the new, uh, you know, interview for this uh, month's club meeting. Uh, I, I, yeah, anywhere I travel, I try to find craft beer. I, I'm a avid bowler, although my legs right now kind of not letting me bowl. But uh, I, I go out to Las Vegas a lot and to Reno. And uh, back in 2006, I, I traveled to, I flew to San Francisco and, you know, just traveled a little across the uh, Sierra Nevadas there to Reno. But before that, I went down to Anchor Brewery and checked out Anchor. It was really nice. I walked in the, uh, you know, the front door and they got this stairway with all this apple wood everywhere in the brewery. And, and uh, you know, I got set up for the tour and went in there and and checked out the tour there's like a little basement and then they bottle the beer down there and it goes up a conveyor belt to the second floor and that's where they kind of ship it out and and um i always wondered about steam you know and they, i asked you know anchor steam and they they said well back way years ago when they were brewing the steam would come off the top of the roof because it's san francisco and i was kind of a you know colder area like what did hemingway say the the, the coldest day ever had was a summer day in San Francisco, I think he said, but uh, in one of his writings along the way, his books or something, but uh, I always liked Anchor Steam and Anchor um, Porter and, and, and the uh, Liberty, uh, uh, the Foghorn, all those beers were great, and you know, check that one out and then travel down the, the, the West Coast Highway 101 to... Uh, Half Moon, uh, a little farther down, and, and Half Moon was a real fun little place with uh, some of their unique beers there, and went down to Pebble Beach, and then traveled back across the Sierra Nevadas to Reno, and uh, uh, saw a bear way up there in the top of the mountains, which, you know, we stopped and yelled at it, and it turned around and looked at us, so I, I got a picture of it and uh, put it on my, you know, my, my screensaver on my computer for years and years. But uh, get a more, little more current. I, you know, in Reno, there's a couple of brewery, breweries there that I checked out, uh, especially around the Circus Circus uh, um, Hotel and the three hotels there. El Dorado, I think, is where the uh, homebrew. I'm sorry, the um, uh, craft brew brewery is there, and they got a real good selection of beer there and food. And then. Uh, more recently, I, I traveled up the East Coast. I went up to, um, I don't know, um, Ale Works up in Williamsburg. Uh, what is that? South Carolina or somewhere up there. And um, then got all the way farther up. Popped into uh, uh, Allagash up in Maine and Shipyard. Um, traveled across over to Burlington. Well, before that, stopped in Boston and, and to the Sam Adams Brewery over there, the first one, not really where they brew more now, but where they kind of experiment and make some of their uh, newer beers or, or their test beers that they do now. And then um, traveled over to Vermont, to Burlington, and got to check out, uh, oh, what do I want to say, uh, Magic Hat, uh, Fiddlers, um, 
what's a skiing one? Um, Switchback. Um, uh, a number of breweries over that way, too, which, uh, you know, they all have their unique beers that they brew. And, and you know, I, I'm always kind of a pale ale guy. I don't like a lot of hops, but I yeah. like the I like the hoppy yeah, kind of a too, beer. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. You know, and, and uh, then, you know, on the way back, we went down uh, all the way down to um, New York and, you know, through that area, uh, Cooperstown, um, and then headed back and you know and now lately i've been just kind of traveling around locally here with some of our uh breweries you know been to castle church just recently opened up and to um ellipsis and uh tactical and 1010 here um uh crooked can uh you know Still haven't got to some of the other ones that are close around here. I don't know, Toll Tollway or Toll Booth or something. And yeah. it's so hard. All of a sudden, they're all popping open. Like you know, last couple of years, it's tough to keep up with it all. You know, Deadly Sins was over there. Yeah, uh, you know, up in Sanford Brewing and and some of those up that way. You know, we uh, really have a, a lot of breweries and craft brew around here that support our home brew club and, or clubs, I should say, because as of now we're not really the biggest club anymore that used to be you know central florida homebrewers now we've broken off to other clubs like seminole county and volusia county and um what brewers anonymous and brewers gathering and there's so many homebrew clubs still around that uh we could you know join a lot of them uh and and learn different things from either one of them in fact there's three of them i'm in now and i every month can't go to all three of the meetings because it's just too much for me, you know. So I, 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 I've traveled, you know, around. I went to Iowa. I went to Davenport, Iowa, and had a couple of them in Bettendorf. There was a brewery there that had a good beer. I can't remember the name of all these breweries because there's just so many of them now. But uh, I always pop into them and try to check out a little flight, you know. I, I don't like these flights that are like 20 bucks each. You know, I, I like yeah. a flight that's like 7 right, bucks. Yeah, you know. Come on, 20 bucks. I might as well get two pints or more. <laughs> But I, I hope I'm not complaining. I just, I, you know, I know my beer. I know what it costs to make beer. And, and I know that you're always paying for the atmosphere and for the flavor and aromas of the beer. So I'm hoping that, you know, when I go to these places that I'm not disappointed is really what I'm trying to say in a nutshell. And I, Allagash never disappointed me up there. They showed me their little area where they, they do wilds and they have like a, 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 what do they call that, a hot thing? I can't remember right now where they roll their beer out there and it sits out there and the leaves and everything can blow in on it and then they transfer it back into their beer and, and you know, uh, it's really quite amazing some of the stuff that some of these breweries really do out there. And, you know, one thing, John, in your travels, have you, you know, we know you make meat. Is there a lot of meaderies uh, in places you traveled or? Well, yeah, there's main meadery. I went there and really was interesting. They had a a uh, contraption i call it kind of a that that came from africa and they would they would put the uh the honey and the water into the bottom of it and then it would be transferred up to like a center area each one has like a sight glass in it you can look at it and then it would go up to the top and once it once it it fermented enough it would push it over the top and it would roll down this uh pipe and then it would go into a, a i don't know a 300 gallon container that was mead I mean, they, all I had to do was just keep shoving new honey water into the bottom of it, and it just kept pushing out meat at the top, you know, when it was when it was ready. So, very interesting contraption they had there. Um, been to a, a couple other meteries, the one up here in um, uh, Deland um, Abbey, I think it is, or something. Uh, they have a little different system than that, but they, they come out uh, with with meads also that that i think are acceptable but what i find from all these meaderies is that none of them are really carbonated uh maybe in savannah i think they had a little carbonated mead there where they had it pouring out of a like a tap room but they had that all on co2 but most of the meads that i've found around the country are stills and uh, a lot of them are what i would call a basic mead kind of a clover honey 
you know, regular mead, not some of what I would consider the specialty honeys like Tupelo or or Orange Blossom or some of those flavors uh, that I would prefer in my meads. So, yeah, I, I, I do try to find the meaderies, too. There's one in Ybor City, too, I think, that's kind of half hooked up to um, Cigar City. But, again, I I'm not, haven't barely been there, but I've just heard about that recently. How about ciders? Do you try a lot of different ciders when you're out and about? Or? Not really. Uh, c- ciders I haven't really got into yet or got experimented with them. But um, uh, there was a guy, Dennis, I think Dennis Peterson or Pearson, who used to win Home Brewer of the Year every year from like 2000 to 2012. And all he did was do Perry's and ciders. And he d- actually did a presentation for us years ago. Uh, at Rossi's Pizzeria there when we were there for our home base. Uh, you know, now we're at 1010. But um, I got that presentation, and it, what I find unusual about ciders is from start to finish, they're done in like a month. You know, and, you know, meads, you might get one done in three months if you're pushing it. And, you know, ales are what, month, and lagers are eh, two months, depending on how you want to pre- present them to your, you know, your friends or your customers. But uh, ciders, I haven't got into yet, but if, you know, if you really want to be home brewer of the month, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, of the year, uh, ciders and Perry's is where, where it's at, really. Okay, uh, John, we really appreciate your, your time. And one final question. Do you get inspired? You know, you travel the country, you try all these beers. Do you ever get a, a, excited to a point where you want to make a clone or a beer similar like the, like what you've tried? Oh, yeah. Boy, now that one sounded like champagne, didn't it? Yeah, it did. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to have some of that one. Let me. Ha- oh, there's two of them. Whoa. All right. Let me hand my glass over there. Dave. But uh, getting back to the interview, I'm sorry. That's kind of a startling thing. Hey, they're not gushing over anything, so, you know, you got to like that. But um, the, the uh, clone was a um, Missoula, uh, Montana, uh, a moose drool, a brown ale. Just thought that was really good. I was out in Missoula bowling and... I don't know where it was, Billings, and got out there and had a, a moose drool ale and uh, really enjoyed that beer. And, uh, you know, on a side note, I've been in home brewing for a long time now, maybe almost 19 years, and some of the guys that are getting out of it are asking me to take their equipment and hand it out to some of the, the, the new brewers. So I, that's kind of my little mission now in life is to make sure that the brewers get some of these recycled uh, equipment that uh, would otherwise go to the dump, which I don't really think is a good idea. Okay, John, any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to uh, mention here? Well, I just want to appreciate you, Mike. Thank you for the interviews, and thank you for allowing me to, uh, you know, express my little bit of an opinion here uh, with uh, all, all of your questions. You're, you're a wonderful interviewer, okay. and I really appreciate that. And I like your shirt. Yeah, yeah the kiss shirt here. <laughs> yep. Okay, my guest has been John Sather. 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 There yes. we go. And uh, from the uh, Central Florida Home Brewers. And uh, you you are listening to the Mike Carroll Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz here at uh, 1010 Brewing at 1010 Virginia Drive in beautiful uh, Orlando, Florida, as we are here for the Central Florida Home Brewers General Membership Meeting, and please stay with us for our next segment of this edition of our program today. Well, welcome back to our next segment of this edition of the Mike Carroll Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz here at 1010 Brewing, at, at 1010 uh, Virginia Drive, as we are here for the Central Florida Home Brewers General Membership Meeting. And with me today is Missy Todd. And Missy, uh, so glad you could join me today. We under, understand you've been a, a member of the club for four years and that you brew uh, uh, several wines. You're learning to brew beer. And one of the neat things about uh, the, the, this and learning is the group brew. And is that kind of how you've been learning is through this group brew where everyone kind of does a little bit of everything? Or Correct. Um, I do make wine, and I learned that from my friend Sandy Rossi. I learned how to brew beer just recently with Ed Meesum, 
uh, Lori Warwick. Um, just making, we made um, a Kolsch style beer. And we haven't bottled that yet, but we've bottled a. Um, Ed also had a um, Hefeweizen that we, we just bottled. We got to try that just recently, and it turned out very good. It was smoky, it was very good. Oh, okay. So uh, you, the, the group brew worked out uh, really well uh, for you, and you're, you're, you're starting to get the hang of it. Uh, the, I mean, you, you've been brewing wine for a little, little bit then, and, and is this a, a big difference, brewing beer? Or? Well, making wine is, is a little bit different process because it's spread out in a longer time frame um, over about a six- to eight-week period. Whereas making beer, brewing beer is an all-day event at first, and then several days after, you know, weeks after is when you're going to get to rack it, and then you get to bottle it at like another week later. So it, that's in the one day of, of brewing beer is it's very time task, and then you have sit down period because you're waiting for certain things to happen and. It's longer period than wine. Oh, so it, it takes a little longer brewing the beer. There's there's more to it then. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Uh, so, wh- what are the types of wine that you usually like to brew? Um, I've made a green apple, but I like to add honey to my wine because one, it ups the alcohol content just a little bit. You have to change the yeast out. The second reason why I like to use honey in all of my wine is I like a sweeter wine. I've made a red wine that had um, a black cherry wine, and I added the honey, and it just gave it a whole total different flavor. And everybody's like, ooh, that tastes different, and they liked it. Oh, so you you like the sweet wine? Is that what you're going to make when you continue making wine as the sweet wine then? Correct, I do. Um... It, it, even in white wines or red wines, I just prefer a sweeter type. And when you go to a, a restaurant, they normally don't have a sweet red wine. That's the only reason why I started making my own wine. Oh, so so you uh, make your own wine and you like to drink wine then too? Well, most times you give away half of your batch oh, because okay, yeah. you want everybody to try it. So now with the beer, you know, I'm sure you've got some IDD. We know that you're new to it, but do you think about adding fruit or making sweet fruit beer? Well, I like Hefeweizen beer. Um, I I do like stouts as well. I know it's a total different range of beer. But I will do on the 30th or the 20th, I will be making an oatmeal stout. I want to enter that into our competition for our 30th year for the Sunshine Challenge. Hopefully, we can win our cup back. Oh, so you are going to be entering the Sunshine Challenge with the, this beer, huh? I hope to be doing several different types of beers in order to be in different categories. Oh, so with these beers, are you going to do them one at a time or planning to do them all together? No, no. Separating them out, um, such as like I, we did a, a Hefe, we've done a Kolsch. But under my own category, I'm going to start off with the oatmeal stout. I'm sure I'll probably make like two other ones. I'm not sure what they will be. It is, again, like my first time brewing any type of beer so it'll it'll be interesting. So the Kolsch, you like to drink? That's what I like to drink, Kolsch. Is that something that you like, like to drink? It's one of the beers I like, but I prefer a Hefe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned about stouts, so, so you, we can find you drinking stouts sometime? Or? Well, I, from my understanding, I do like certain stouts. Right. I love the oatmeal stout. Just the flavoring itself is good. However, the reason why I chose the oatmeal stout is because it's going to last longer. I think in order for when we have our competition, that the flavor will still be there when we have our competition. Oh, so so you're excited uh, this year to be uh, brewing uh, beer. And then 
you're going to be brewing beer and wine then, uh, kind of both of them this year then? Well, the wine is definitely a pleasure of mine. I, I truly enjoy making wine. The beer is more of a challenge right, for me. Okay. So on the beer side, I really, because we belong to the Central Florida Homebrews, you know, club, I really would love to try to just enter as many beers as possible, even if they're not so good. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, again, you've got certain beers that you want to probably uh, brew in the future then? Other than the oatmeal stout and yeah. the hefe, uh, um, I think probably another hefeweizen, but I don't. Oh. I would like it more on like the wheat side. Oh, okay, okay, Missy, we'll let you go here. We really do appreciate your time, and we appreciate your insight from you know as you're learning to brew beer. Any final thoughts or anything you like to mention here before we no. go? Um, I just thank you for your time. <laughs> okay. My guest has been uh, Missy uh, Todd from the Central Florida Home Brewers. And uh, you're listening to the Mike Carroll Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz here at uh, Ted Ted Brewing, Ted uh, Ted Virginia Drive. As we are here at the Central Florida Home Brewers uh, a general membership meeting. And please stay with us for a very last segment of this edition of our program today. Welcome back to our very last segment of this edition of the Mike Kara Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz here at Ted Ted Brewing, Ted Ted uh, Virginia Drive, beautiful Orlando, Florida, as we are here at the Central Florida Home Brewers General Membership Meeting. With me today is a member of the club, uh, Preston Hoover, and uh, Preston, we're so glad and honored that you could be here today. And well, tell thank us, you very much. Tell us uh, a little bit about you know craft beer and uh, so what is it about craft beer that it, that excites you i mean we know that uh, you know you're you're here you like trying the beer but there's just something about craft beer huh well you know you never know what you're going to get when you try one because every brewer is different right um and when you're doing this you have to have an open mind you, you because like i said everybody's different so you can't just go well th- this is what I would do because you're not the person that brewed the beer is not you. Right. So you have to really keep an open mind on what you're tasting and what's in it and and you know not be too judgmental of about it. Oh, so you the, the key is to keep a, an open mind. Huh? Yeah, because uh, I was a, a BJCP beer judge for Oh, I've been one for 20-some years now. And uh, I found that after about 15 years of brewing and judging that uh, I I sort of got complacent that, oh, I would never brew this. Uh, I would never. And, and then I caught myself doing that one time. And it was just like, what are you doing to this person, you know? Just because you didn't brew it doesn't mean it's not good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so you've been a beer judge that you said for 20 years. That's that's At something. Least, yeah. huh? So there. So it, it, there. I mean, is there there's certain guidelines you have to learn that as a judge? Or? Yeah, we went through an intensive. Uh, it was like 15, 20 week training oh, wow. course with uh, Ronald Bach. Uh, he was. Uh, a very prominent beer judge at the time. He made like triple uh, BC, BJCP uh, judge awards. He was the highest one. He was on their council. But anyway, he gave us a really nice course on how to learn to taste and brew and judge beer. And it was very enlightening. So we used that knowledge through the 20 years that I've gained to uh, help other people learn how to brew beer. Oh, so uh, Preston, we understand that you've uh, brewed beer, but have you brewed a beer recently? Or uh, unfortunately, uh, my age and my I'm I'm handicapped at the time, and it it forebodes me to to brew the too much hot water and all that good stuff. When I was younger, yes, I I can say that I've brewed more. Uh, more mead than beer. It's not really brewing mead, but 
Uh, I've brewed many, many gallons of beer and, and many, many more gallons of honey wine called mead. Uh, very interesting. One time we brewed, me and my friend Howard brewed a, a blueberry mead. And we, I wasn't thinking that day. And we put it in the carboy and, and instead of just keeping an open airlock with uh, cheesecloth over it, we put the airlock on it. And my boy comes in to me at 2.30 in the morning waking me up and goes, Dad, there's a big blue spot all over the wall and up on the ceiling. <laughs> it took me a few minutes to realize what was going on. And I said, oh, I'll give you 10 bucks if you clean it up. Because <laughs> I realized that the blueberry holes or skins had clogged the airlock. And the pressure obviously built up because of fermentation. And it blew the airlock off. And there was a blue spot on my ceiling for at least two years till I got it painted. <laughs> oh, that's something. So, uh, Preston, do you have a, t- a chance to try different beads? I mean, is, is there any place that in Orlando that sells bead commercially? Or? Uh, you know what? I really don't know. I, um, I'll be honest with you all. My age, I'm 61, and... Uh, bar hopping and going to bars oh, anymore. Yeah, yeah, we understand. Just, yeah. just not there anymore. I mean, uh, I used to do it all the time. <laughs> but uh, um, I guess you could call me an old curmudgeon now. I just don't do it. Uh, but I really can't think. I think there was a couple bars that tried to do me oh, okay. a while ago, but I can't help that's you. That's all right. No, that's, a, that's okay because... Uh, so, I mean, do you have a cha- Do you buy a lot of craft beer when you're at the store? And yes, stock I do. Up? Well, yes, I do. And I wish I could brew more because the price of beer is really outrageous anymore, if you ask me. I, I bought yeah. a 12-pack of a, a IPA, and, and it was like $16. And it's really freaking me out because that's a lot of money for a beer. But you know you have to you have to do what you have to do to uh, get along and and what they say the market bears a price. Oh, do you like a lot of IPAs? Uh, is yeah. that your favorite? Or yes, sir. Pale ales, IPAs. But you got to switch up once in a while for a, like a nice British beer, a little good old ESB. Those are great. My friend Howard, he's Scottish, oh. and. Uh, he does a lot of Scottish ales yeah, and, and British bitters. I, uh, my son had a, a dog named Bart, oh. and he was a, a, a Doberman Pinscher, 120 pounds, a solid dog. And Howard would come over every Monday, and we would brew a beer for weeks at a time. We would brew beers. When one was brewing, we'd be bottling another one. And uh, one time we did this experiment where you would carry over the yeast, like you brew a beer and you save the yeast and use that to ferment the other beer. And we started out, (coughs) excuse me, started out, we called it Bart's Bitter. It was a regular ESB. And then the next two weeks later, after the first one was done fermenting, we planned it so we would... We, we took that beer off the off the yeast, and we brewed another beer and used that yeast to ferment the other beer. And we called that Bart's Bitter too, And we did that uh, three times. So we made a bitter, uh, a, 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 an extra bitter, and then an extra special bitter. Yeah. And that was pretty cool. The beers turned out, eh, the extra special bitter, the third one, I think we could have... Uh, I think the yeast was dead. I think we should have used more yeast. But, you know, it was an experiment, and we learned a lot. It was pretty fun. Fantastic. Uh, so, you know, uh, how about, what do you think of Kolsch? Since we have Kolsch all, all here. Yeah, is that what Kolsch's you... are a nice, clean, refreshing beer. They're very smooth. Uh, they're, uh, like I said, refreshing. They have a nice bite to them. For the summer, it's a it's a good beer. 
Uh, it's very German. And uh, if I remember correctly, it comes from the area of Kolsch, because Germany is very specific on their beers in their regions. Every town has a brewery. We were in uh, Sonthoven by, in 1999, uh, Sonthoven, Germany, and uh, I went to their local brewery, and they brewed four beers. Very nice. Uh, had a good time there. Then we went up north to Amsterdam to the uh, uh, Marijuana Festival. That was pretty fun, too. Yeah, there you go. Okay, uh, Preston, we, you know, we appreciate uh, your, your time. And before we go, uh, you've been a member of uh, the Central Florida Homebrewers for a while? Or? I've been a member for at least 23 years. Hello. So you strongly recommend people if they're yes, interested? Yes, if, you, if you're interested in brewing or in drinking beer, <laughs> our motto is drink better beer. You do not have to brew to become a member of the Central Florida Homebrewers. Although we encourage it, you do not have to brew. Uh, feel free to come, join our club. It's a good camaraderie of friends, and, uh, and it's a good thing to do for a f three or four hours once a month. Okay, Preston, any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to mention about beer? Uh, you can't go a day without one. Yeah. Um, it's a good beverage. Yes, people can abuse it, but if, if used correctly, it's a, it's a very good beverage, and I think everybody should partake in it. And I want to thank you for having me on your show. Sure, my guest. Thank you, Preston. My guest has been uh, Preston Hoover. You've been listening to the Mike Kara Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz here at uh, Ted Ted Brewing at Ted Ted Virginia Drive. We're here at the Central Florida Homebrewers General Membership Meeting, and uh, as we are here at the Mike Kara Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz. And please catch us again next time. You've been listening to the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Kara, the podcast for Central Floridians who want to be in the know what's happening in Orange Lake, Osceola, and Seminole Counties. Sponsored by the Central Florida Home Brewers, the premier craft and homebrew club. Learn to brew beer, kombucha, mead, and make wine by visiting www.cfhb.org. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you back here next week. Welcome to the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Cara, the podcast for Central Floridians who want to be in the know on what's happening in Orange, Lake, Osceola, and Seminole Counties. Sponsored by the Central Florida Home Brewers, the premier craft and homebrew club. Learn to brew beer, kombucha, mead, or make wine. Visit www.cfhb.org. Now, here's your host, Mike Cara. Welcome back to our next edition of the Mike Kara Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz, as we are here at 1010 Brewing in beautiful Orlando, Florida, as we are here at the Central Florida Home Brewers uh, meeting. With me is the uh, current president of the Central Florida Home Brewers for uh, at least a few more days, Mr. C.J. Ahern. And C.J., it's a pleasure and honor you could join me today once again and tell us about you know some of the beers that you're making. So you have a beer that you're you're working on so yeah. why don't you tell us all about it all right well i i've heard the, the big stink about uh everybody trying to brew uh new england ipas now right so i figured well it's time for me to to get in and, and brew my first one myself so I'm, I'm brewing a fruit bazooka new england ipa with about 11 ounces of hops in there there's a new hop that's in there that i've really never worked it before it's called yunganat it's got a 18.3 percent alpha and it has hints of papaya, green pepper, and mango. And that's kind of a, a different flavor of, that you won't get in every hop these days. So it should be come out to be an interesting beer. Have you worked with green pepper before? No, I have not. <laughs> I mean, any, any sort of pepper, any sort of spice? or No, no, no spice. Just fruit, fruity, fruity hops and uh, that, that one I was talking about. So I'm, I'm, it's going to take about seven weeks because I'm doing a two weeks primary, two weeks secondary, five weeks dry hopping, and then bottling, and then bottle conditioning. So it should be ready by, by the new year. 
Oh, so so it's you said the new the new year. Even though all those steps are taking place, you're gonna get it in. Oh yeah, and my next my next beer for the winter is gonna be an oatmeal stout. I'm formulating a recipe for that. It's gonna be my first uh, all grain batch in my house. I've done all grain at my other friend's house, but now it's time for me to get get all in on it. Oh, so this is your first all grain and for our audience basically that that means that you're using all the grain like what we do what we do me and my dad do is partial uh, mash which is partially the grain and partially the extract so what you're doing is all grain that yeah. uh, and it's uh, the thing about all grain is you have more control over the beer and with most extract recipes it's always going to be usually a darker color when you do all grain you, you have more more control over the beer when you use malt extract, you don't have too much control. It just it is what it is. So oatmeal stout is this something you've done done before? Stout? Yeah, I have. I, I've brewed it with Dave Smith before, but we did a forty gallon batch. And now we're gonna just gonna do a ten to eleven gallon batch this time. So you put a certain amount of uh, oatmeal and in addition to all the grains. Then yes. Uh huh. Oh yeah. And I like to toast the oats in the in the in the oven, so I get the nice roasty oh, flavor. Wow. I'll put a lot of uh, effort into that to actually toast the the the, the oats. <laughs> yeah, I work in a restaurant, so I can do it right in my commercial oven at work, and do it real quick on sheet pans. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, since you mentioned it, C Day, that you you do work at, at a, a, a restaurant to, as as a chef, so you're you're used to mixing all sorts of ingredients together. This is nothing nothing new to experiment. Uh, yeah, it's just like just like making dinner, except you're making beer. <laughs> <laughs> so it. You mentioned uh, uh, oatmeal stout. Is there any beer that you've been trying to, to make that you've been kind of procrastinating about or any beer you says, I've got to make, but you haven't made? Or Not really. I, I do want to start making lagers because I don't have the setup for it yet. That's my next, my next step is to get a refrigerator because to do lagers, you need to ferment at a 40-degree at a temp. I think it's from 40 to 50-degree temperature for the whole time because uh, ales is a uh, top ferment lagers is bottom bottom ferment so it's a little different so we're saying with this this recent beer cj that you, you know you're putting some fruit fruit in and we know that you've made a lot of fruit beers what is it about the the fruit the fruit beers you just like the taste or just need to have fruit in there oh well, i'm in florida and i like i like uh, fruity things <laughs> yeah we got plenty of fruits here yeah. and i don't in this beer i don't really put fruits in the beer the, all the hops i use have a lot of fruit flavors and stuff so it flavors the beer from the hops so that's what I've been hearing, CJ, that the fruit actually comes from the hops. So you think you're, you're drinking a fruit beer, you taste the fruit, and there's no fruit. Yeah, it's just the, the aroma and the flavors from the, all the different types of hops. I did, I did purchase a hops book so I can read up on all the different varieties of hops. Just something when I'm at home on the couch, want to read something. Just reading about all the different types of hops. And it's... There's a lot. There's a lot of hops. And one thing I understand that you do, CJ, which is called dry hopping, and that's hopping later. How does dry hopping work? Uh, that's pretty much you did your, your primary fermentation, secondary. Secondary. And you just want to get a, a little more hop flavor in there. So when it's all done, the last step is you put your hops in there, and you let it, let it do its thing for about five to six more days. Any longer than that, it's not going to benefit. So that's it's just a, qu- a quick a quick thing that you do at the end before you finish the beer. And one thing, you know, CJ, we talk about, uh, you know, alcohol content. Now, me and my dad have been trying to figure out how to this gravity. Do you actually measure gravity? I, do, I measure beginning gravity, end gravity. And then when, when I do transfer to secondary, I check the gravity again to make sure... This one is right at 1065, so it's going to be between 6 and 6.2%. But I've had from experience all the malt extract beers I did, they've always been higher, higher alcohol. I don't know why that is, but 
that's just that's interesting. Yeah, you don't know why, why that 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 is. So I mean, did you like I said with me and my dad, we started as partial grain, you know, extract and grain. Did did you or do you know people? Can they start I, like I, all extract? I'm saying they can. I've started with all grain. I mean, I started brewing with Dave Smith all grain, okay. and then I bought my own little kit and started doing the partial mash like you guys yeah. do at home. And I've only done about four batches at home. All my other brewing has been on a all grain on a big system, an eight-hour day, just eight hours brewing beer, start to finish. Oh, so I mean, for you, do you try to do a balance of ales and stouts and uh, what was that, lagers or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Try to balance it. Oh yeah, I'm trying. I've only been going at this going on three years, so I'm getting better every every day. And you, you mentioned uh, Dave Smith, who has been on this show regularly as, as well. And you both, uh, do, you, do you find it easier when you, you, you brew with somebody rather rather than brewing alone? Or is yeah, it- well, sometimes I do. I, I've, I've done it so many times now that I know, I know how, what we're supposed to do. I know the steps and the process that we do when we brew at his house. So when we bring a new person in, it's a little frustrating because they just don't know. Like they think they did a good job, and they're, they they uh, needed to work a little harder. Okay, CJ. One thing we wanted to uh, mention that uh, about the Central Florida Home Brewers before we go is that you're working on the Sunshine Challenge, which is uh, a very very uh, big project, and uh, it's 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 something that that originally you know people would enter their beers, but this year you're you're going to make it uh, a, a much bigger event. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. We're going to do a, a weekend in June, end of June. And it's going to be a, a hell of a hell of a party. Okay, CJ. You know that sounds uh, great. Want to wish you a very uh, happy holiday season. Any final thoughts or anything you all like to mention this time? Nope. I think we covered it all. Well, everybody have a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yeah. Happy Hanukkah. All that good stuff. <laughs> and uh, brew some beer, drink some beer, and have a grand old time. Okay, my guest has been uh, C.J. Ahern, and you've been listening to the Mike Carroll Radio Show, and uh, please stay with us for our next segment of this edition of our program today. Well, welcome back to our next segment of this edition of the Mike Carroll Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz, as we are here at 1010 Brewing, as we are here for the Central Florida Home Brewers um, a general membership meeting and with me today is Ed Meeson who is a longtime member and a great home brewer and uh, Ed is a pleasure on you could join me today and you know we, we since we've been here since 2012 you've always been there and always uh, had a lot of great advice and I know you did some beer schools and that but first of all why don't we start at the beginning how did you actually get into home brewing? Well, in uh, 1991, I was at uh, in graduate school, and the whole class went over to Dusseldorf, Germany, for a international studies course. And I got to taste this wonderful beer they have over there. And I thought to myself, after the I was over there for two weeks. At the middle of uh, after the first week, I thought to myself, you know, I could learn German. And I thought maybe just stay there, but I didn't. I came back to Florida, and at the time we had. Uh, law in Florida that only allowed beer to be sold in 8, 12, 16, and 32-ounce containers. So a lot of imported beer couldn't be sold legally in the state of Florida. So I started searching for this good beer, and one of the places was Hart's Homebrew sold beer back in those days. And I went in there, and I told them I'd been to Germany and had this great beer, and they said, well, well, they explained to me this bottle bill law and it couldn't be sold in florida but then they said well you know you can make it and my first question was that's legal and turns out it is legal and uh so the rest is sort of history i i my uh undergraduate degree is in chemical engineering and i took to brewing like a duck to water i like to say that uh making beer is the best use of that chemical engineering degree and so i started brewing in uh 96 i got I got the um, kit uh, from Hearts for Christmas, read the book cover to cover, went to the first meeting in January of 96, and 
hadn't brewed yet, but I, but I had read the book, and I told them, I said, you know, I know from my experience in, in chemistry that reading something and doing it in a lab sometimes can be two different things. So they told me that there's a uh, brewmeister program, and that program allow, was set up so that more experienced brewers would teach less experienced brewers, which I certainly was less experienced at the time. And they introduced me to a fellow named Tom Mensch, and we exchanged phone numbers. This is before email. And I went over his house, and he brewed a brown ale, which happened to be the recipe that I had. And I asked a whole bunch of questions and took notes and uh, just started brewing since then. Tom has gone on to uh, found um, Unique Unique Beers, was a distributor, and also Orange Blossom Pilsner uh, Brewing Company, which he operates today. So I started brewing. I got very active in the club. Uh, wanted to. Uh, I entered my uh, first two batches in a competition that the club hosted for uh, new brewers who hadn't won any awards yet. And I got my, my my score sheets back, but I couldn't really read them. So I went to the meeting after the uh, with my score sheets, and I, Vicky Hurst was one of the people that uh, was one of the judges, and I went up to her and asked her, could she please explain? You know what this was she was writing about these beers and what you know her opinion was and what they meant so she explained it and i realized and she also explained to me about the beer judge certification program bjcp and i realized i really need to become a judge in order to brew better beer so the club at the time had beer school i signed up for that went to all the classes i went for a second year uh, and uh, at uh, the third, I guess the, after the second time going through the class, I took the exam and entered as a nationally ranked beer judge. I scored high enough on the score sheet. And also I had been volunteering to do stewarding and judging. Um, I went to the first, uh, my first Sunshine Challenge, uh, entered a beer, and I um, took a third place with a, an alt beer from Dusseldorf style. And I guess the club sort of recognized me because I called the name of the beer, I called it Batch Number 5, because I didn't know you could name your beer. They said, what's the name of your beer? I said, I don't know, Batch Number 5. So I won an award with that, and uh, they realized right away that, uh, hey, this guy knows what he's doing, I guess, or has some some uh, acumen for it. And so uh, they recruited me. My second Sunshine Challenge, I was assistant head steward. The third Sunshine Challenge, I was head steward. The fourth Sunshine Challenge, I took the exam. And uh, by the fifth one, I think I was uh, assistant uh, head judge, then head judge after that, and I've been organizer and so forth, served on the board. Uh, I've always thought that the CFHB was a great organization, and I've given a lot over the years. I guess uh, I've won somewhere in excess of 400 awards for various beers that I've made. Um, I've made somewhere over 500 batches, so um, some I enjoy, and in fact, uh, this year, I uh, starting actually this month in December, um, offering for people in the club to come over to my house and brew beer and hopefully enter in Sunshine Challenge in, uh, later in, the, in 2019. And we understand, uh, Ed, you know, the Sunshine Challenge is, you know, you know the, the yearly celebration. It's a con, you know, con, beer contest people enter. But you've, like you said, been in the club for a while, so you've seen a lot of these Sunshine Chat challenges and, and different things, huh? Oh yeah. Uh, one year we had Michael Jackson as our guest of honor. That was oh, oh yeah, that was really cool. Uh, one and we had three pub crawl buses, and the one problem was Michael Jackson invited everybody on the pub crawl, and not everybody had a ticket. So, oh. so we had to actually go on the bus and 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 check tickets and ask people to leave the bus. So, uh, I was also involved uh, because I was in the organizing committee. We would go to the hotel. On Thursday night to set things up, Sunshine Challenge usually ran Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And uh, uh, it was Ron Bach and I actually would, would uh, room together. And we would have, I would bring Belgian beers and Ron would bring interesting cheeses. And so uh, we knew some other people that were there that were, were organizers as well. We invited them over to the room and, of course, shared our beer and cheese. And that, that morphed into uh, an uh, event we later would host at many of the Sunshine Challenges called Belgian Beer and Stinky Cheese. Uh, and also another thing that happened was the next year people did the same thing. They hosted stuff in their room. They have a different theme. 
And that turned out, uh, it morphed into another event we called a room crawl. So different rooms would get decorated, and they would have different themes and different beers that they made and, and, and food sometimes. And so uh, it was, it's always been pretty interesting uh, over the years. We had some great guests of honor, Sam Clignone from Dogfish Head. Uh, boy, I'm trying to remember some of them. Greg Noonan from uh, Vermont Brew Pub. Um, Miller, I uh, can't remember his first name, from uh, Tennessee. Um, boy, oh, boy. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting a whole bunch of them. You know, uh, and as, as someone with your you know expertise in home brewing, the one question I wanted to ask, a lot of new brewers do this Mr. Beer. What do you think about Mr. Beer? Well, I have mixed feelings. Uh, it's good in some ways that it's very available and people get it for gifts a lot of times for christmas or what have you and they'll try it and for the first batch it can work pretty good but they're they don't work it's not set up to sanitize well nor do they emphasize that so usually by the second batch because they haven't cleaned it and sanitized it properly this, this usually at the second batch and later they get an infection and the beer turns out bad so I think overall it's probably turned more people off to homebrewing than it's turned on to homebrewing, and it's a shame. I always tell people if you're interested, go to the homebrew shop or join your local homebrew club, and the, and it's usually a lot better way uh, to get started in homebrewing if you're interested in it. And one question I have, Ed, since I have you here, so I was watching this YouTube video. This guy was in China. He was buying a beer that was 67% alcohol. And my question is, is that really still beer? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think the highest fermented beer is Sam Adams' uh, Utopias at 27%. Right. There's, uh, there's a race to the top. BrewDog used to have it at 55%, and I guess this China company now has yeah. it. But those are usually ice distilled. So they brew a beer, and then they ice distill oh, it. So And usually they don't taste anything like beer. Oh. So it's really questionable whether it's still a beer. So I, I don't know. Now, in America, the, the law hasn't been tested whether or not you can ice distill a beer if you're a brewery. Most distillation is what they call steam distillation, where they heat it up and then collect the, the, the vaporous fractions and then condense them down. And that clearly requires a distillation license. There are some breweries that do both. In fact, we have one here in Winter Park. And all most fermented, uh, most spirits start as a beer, essentially. You've probably heard of single malt scotch. Well, malt is the base, just like it is in beer. And they don't add hops, they don't boil it, but they do ferment it. They make a mash, ferment it, and then it's usually somewhere in the under 10% alcohol, and then distill it to concentrate it. And, of course, that gets all the solids out and so forth. Uh, and then it's aged, depending on what type of spirit it is. But, uh, yeah, so I, to answer your question, I, I, A, I've not tasted it. B, I'm not sure it is a beer. Now, you know, one of the things, we have a lot of, uh, you know, new brewers here, and uh, kind of the, the, I wanted to get your take on this, because kind of the path is, uh, you know, I was talking to people, you start with all extract, then go to partial grain, then go to all grain. Does that sound good? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people do it that way. Uh, I bought the kit at Hearts, which was a partial mash, and nowadays they actually have it a little bit easier. You can do brew in the bag. I never did do pure extract, although, although I do that sometimes. I also teach a class at, at the Rosen College at UCF, and we'll do extract for some of the lighter beers, like Hefeweizen and Blondale. But in any case, uh, at home, I started with uh, partial mash and then fairly quickly moved to all grain. I kept up, upgrading my system. You can brew really good beer either way, any one of the three ways, you have less, uh, you have less uh, flexibility. Let's put it that way. When you have extract, especially if it's pre-hopped, you're you're clocked into the hops that are in there, and you don't really know what they are. So you have more control and flexibility as you move to partial mash, and in all grain, you have the most flexibility and and ability to dial in exactly what you want for your beer. And, you know, uh, CJ, our president, is going to be making a beer with green pepper, which is great. I mean, is that something you've done or recommend, green pepper? Or? Well, uh, pepper beers are 
the only style of beer that I sometimes have to recuse myself from judging. If the pepper is strong, I have a, a blind spot. It's literally like looking at headlights. I can tell you that it's a from a, uh, a carbonated liquid, but I really the the pepper will will blind my palate. Interestingly, uh, we used to be part of the Gulf Coast circuit, the Central Florida Homebrewers, and we would we would send our beers to uh, Houston, Dallas, New Orleans, and Orlando. And I went to Houston a few times to help them judge and enjoy their competition and get ideas from what they do. And uh, they had they always have a beer that's not on the BJCP list, mostly for grins. And one year they had, uh, they called it Beers That Burn Twice, high-gravity pepper beers. So high-gravity means high alcohol. So that's the, hence the Beers That Burn Twice. And they wanted me to judge that on that panel because I was an out-of-town, nationally-ranked judge. I told them I didn't want to be in the room when they judged that beer. But they, they were hooting and hollering. I could kind of smell the peppers and stuff from a couple of tables away. And, uh, you know, they, they just thought it was the greatest thing. I, so pepper beers are the only thing that I, I really have a problem judging. I'm very careful uh, to try to not judge. If the pepper is mild... It can be really good beer. I've had some really good pepper beers with mild peppers, but typically people overdo it, and it gets so hot that I can't even taste the beer. So to me, it's a, a wasted opportunity. Okay, Ed, and now before we go, I wanted to ask you about this class that you're teaching. Is this something that that people can sign up sign up for or you're still doing? Or Oh, yeah, I'm still doing it. just finished the semester. Uh, actually, Tuesday is the final final. Uh, the December 4th of 2018. Uh, I've signed up for next semester. It's a class out at the Rosen College of Hospitality Management, which is one of the colleges in the University of Central Florida. It's a full three-credit, 14-week uh, course. It's mostly front, what I call front end of the house because it's hospitality management. So we learn a lot about the styles. The students learn about uh, sensory perception. And the second half of the class is focused on beer and food pairing. So again, sensory perception, and uh, how do you uh, discern the various flavors and how they interplay when, between a beer and food. Extra credit, the students can learn how to brew uh, and do other things like that. But uh, it's open to University of Central Florida students. Okay, uh, Ed, thanks so much for your time. Any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to mention or any beer you're planning on brewing soon? Well, I, like I said, I just opened this up for the uh, the um, the club, and it looks like the schedule's already full through March. Oh. So, yeah, so so, but I've got April still open, and uh, two brews a month for uh, people in the club come over to my house. I've got a grandfather system. I'll make sure that all the, I'll design the recipe, make sure all the ingredients show up. They just need to help with the work. And uh, I'll be brewing other beers in between for personal use. Um, and uh, I guess the, the club motto is drink better beer. Okay, thanks so much. And my guest has been Ed Meesum, and you've been listening to the Mike Kara Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz. And uh, please catch us for our next uh, segment. Well, welcome back to our next uh, segment of this edition of the Mike Care Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz, as we are here at 1010 Brewing, as they are, as as the Central Florida Home Brewers is having their uh, their uh, general membership meeting with me today is member John Sather. And John, today we want to talk about a very unique thing is wild hop beer. And this hop you, it, you actually picked in your front yard. Why don't you tell us all about this? Uh, yes, actually, um, back in uh, late May, I went out to Zellwood, and they had a little um, demonstration on their hops. It was ready to, they were ready to pick it in a couple weeks after that, and uh, so being out there, I, I learned a lot from uh, the guys out there and bought, bought a, a little rhizome, I think they call it, and put it into my, uh, you know, some miracle grow in a pot and all that, and sure enough... It started, you know, shooting up. So I uh, wasn't really sure what to do with it because I don't know anything about growing hops. You know, it's kind of new to me. And um, ended up putting a tomato uh, little round thing that, you know, the tomato plants grow up into. And it, it came up and it started circling around that. So I've kind of guided it and then I'd circle around the top one. Sure enough, it's kept going. So 
I happened to go to uh, one of the other breweries, you know, um, Dead Lizard, for a competition, and uh, one of the hop guys from over in, I don't know, Port St. Lucie or somewhere, I mean, no, um, on the West Coast over there, right. he told me, well, buy yourself a 10-foot bamboo fishing pole from, you know, Sports Authority or somewhere, and, uh, and have it grow up that. I said, okay, good. So I did, and uh, live and learn, it grew up that, and it went past that. So um, I ended up with a, with a big, uh, heavy top area where a bunch of buds formed. So the, the, it rained, and, and, and misty rain, and light rain, and so it ended up breaking that bamboo fishing pole. So what I've learned from that is that I need to have, you know, the heavy end of the bamboo fishing pole on each end and then another part of the heavy end higher. So I have about an 18-foot area for the plant to grow next year. I'm, I'm learning as I go. Uh, anyway, I picked a bunch of hops. I got about five, uh, six ounces on the first harvest uh, around October, the middle of it. And then, um, sure enough, about... Uh, end of November I had a second little harvest of a bunch of little smaller buds and all that and um, so what I did was I put it in a gallon of mead I wanted to see how hops worked in mead and uh, it I'm a little disappointed I wish I would have boiled those hops for like 10 minutes before I put it in there as like a dry hopping because I got a little bit of too much chlorophyll or greeny tasting uh, you know plant tasting that I, I'm not really thrilled with, so I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that yet. But getting back to my beers, I ended up harvesting that those hops and uh, got uh, about eight pounds of uh, raw or two-row and, you know, cracked it and, 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 you know, mashed it and all that and, and uh, then brewed with those fresh hops because I had to brew right away. I couldn't wait very long and uh, ended up with a pretty decent taste in beer. I, I'm kind of impressed with it, really. Uh, it's kind of a lemongrass, uh, no, greeny tasted light beer, you know. So um, they said it was a Cascade plant, but I'm telling you what, it don't smell or taste like Cascade at all. It's some sort of a hybrided hot plant that that grows in Florida, I guess. I had it in the front yard on the south side of the house, and it was under a shade tree a little bit here and there. And it got plenty of sun, and I watered it every day and fertilized it uh, most every day. I stuck a little spike in all those, uh, like, citrus tree fertilizer spikes. I shoved about a half of one of there in that pot, so it had plenty of fertilizer. But uh, it it, it turned out pretty nice. I think there's some out there I can uh, get Chris to bring it in. We can try some. But... um, uh, you know, so I'm kind of excited about growing hops or growing this hop plant, preferably, and, and learning and trying it again next year. From what I've been reading, I've been reading a lot on hops now, and uh, says I should kind of, it'll probably start trying to grow again in, in March, but I should probably chop those off and then let it let it kind of go after the end of September through the summer, as long as there's not a lot of you know a hurricane or something that comes blows it down. But um, I'm, I'm excited about that. So that's that's kind of my hop. Uh, you know, fresh hop story that I could tell you right now on uh, on my brewing. I also have right now some uh, smoked malts here from 1010, and I'm I'm gonna do a smoke beer coming up. But my foot, I had my foot operated on, so I'm I'm uh, kind of an invalid, you know, a, a club foot right now. And uh, once I get out get out and can can carry stuff and walk around, I'll uh, I'll be brewing that one. And one question, Jen, I wanted to ask about. Brewing with fresh hops, you know, for for us usually like tomorrow we're going to be brewing and we're going to get these uh, little r- rabbit pellets and this little bag and we're going to dump them in. So what is it like? Bre- I mean, how do you go? Is there any difference when you actually m- use fresh hops? Oh yeah, um, you know uh, the rabbit pellet type. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. hops are the um, oh I can't remember the name of them right now, but. I think like to one ounce of those those dried rabbit pellet hops is about three ounces of wet hops. So you have to kind of compensate for um, the difference in, in, in alpha acids and, and you know, uh, what do they call it, iso alpha acids after you boil them and stuff. I can't really measure the acids off this uh, plant, so I'm kind of guessing. Um, in my opinion, the plant is kind of like a comet hop. It, you know, it's just that that type of flavor. I've brewed with Comet before, and um, 
it, it's it's unproportional to pellet hops. You know, uh, one ounce is like three and a half or four ounces of wet hop. So you have to have a lot of wet hops means you have to have a lot of area in your brew kettle to add all these cones, basically, because, you know, they're not pellets. And so they take up more space. And same with dry hop. And, you know, um, if, if I was to do it over again, I would boil them and then probably pour, you know, pour the, the tea out and just throw the boiled hops in. Okay, uh, John, that sounds great. And finally, that you, you, you know, you're you're growing your own hops. Uh, I don't know how uh, like malt works, but I mean, are the grains? Have you ever thought about brewing like the grain? The grain? I mean, growing the grains too? Or well, I don't know if you need how much room you need. I think I'd need a farm or a few oh, acres. Yeah, you I know. thought maybe. But uh, again, even with one plant, it's maybe a one five gallon brew. Oh. Even though it goes eighteen feet, you know, that's maybe enough for maybe one five gallon brew so uh you know it would have to be uh, uh, in a substantial amount of actual hop plants to be able to to uh you know brew more than once right. a year so it, it's a lot of work for one time brew but it, it's exciting to brew a fresh hop beer it's something new to me and and i really enjoyed it and i'm gonna try it again next year Okay, uh, John, any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to talk about concerning fresh hops? Well, only to, uh, you know, to thank the guys from Zellwood, and uh, I'd kind of like to throw a little something out here to 1010 Brewing because we're, this is our home base now. We're finally uh, found a place where our, our, our club can meet every month, and uh, we're developing it as it goes. So, um, you know, each, each meeting is going to become better and better, and we'll probably get a projector, and we'll probably get some other things here where we can, you know, uh, present to our members a little easier every time. Okay, my guest has been John Thaler, and you've been listening to the Mike Kara Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz, and please catch us again next time. You've been listening to the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Kara, the podcast for Central Floridians who want to be in the know what's happening in Orange Lake, Osceola, and Seminole Counties. Sponsored by the Central Florida Home Brewers, the premier craft and homebrew club. Learn to brew beer, kombucha, mead, and make wine by visiting www.cfhb.org. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you back here next week.